Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everyone, and welcome again to the Word on Wednesday. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries uh, with another Wednesday night Bible study for the people of God. Uh, let's immediately jump in and begin to pray. I'm a few minutes late tonight. Um, don't ask me why. I was here in plenty of time and just lost myself, I guess. Anyway, let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we come to you tonight saying all is well. In spite of all the reports to the contrary, we know, God, that all is well. It's well within the land because you are still king. It's well within our country because you are still king. It's well in our homes because you are still king. It's well in my soul, God, because you are king and Lord of all. And there is none like you, so tonight, O oh God, we come to give you thanks and we come to give you praise. Father, for even in the midst of the storm, you have taught us to speak to the wind and the waves and they will be still. And even tonight, Father, we join in with you as you proclaim peace be still throughout our land. Father, it's a voice that not everyone can hear, but your children hear it loud and clear. Our hope is not in our government. Our hope is not in a man. Our hope is in you. And you are a God who has never failed us, oh God. So tonight we come confident. We come in peace. We come knowing that everything is all right, and we come to thank you for it. Father, we thank you for the revelation of yourself to us. Father, we come thanking you that, that you are not hiding what you are doing from us, but instead, Father, you have enjoined us in your plan. Father, we thank you for all that's happening right now because it's causing us to look with more intensity at you. It's causing us to, to focus in on you and to, to focus our minds and focus our hearts and focus our ears in on you. And so, God, tonight we say thank you. Father, even as we thank you, we come repenting for the things that, that we have done wrong. We come confessing that sometimes we take you for granted. We come confessing that sometimes we don't pay attention to you and we don't pay attention to your word. But even as we confess, we say thank you for the wake-up call. Father, we come to you tonight and we confess that we haven't been on mission with you, that sometimes we've, we've been doing our own thing. And so, Father, even today we say we're sorry. Now, Father, open up the eyes of our understanding. Open up our ears that we may hear your clarion call. Open up 
our, our heart so that we might receive it, that which you, you, you're, you're placing within us. God, we want to return wholly to you because we realize that we've strayed and we're sorry and we, we confess this as sin. Now, Master, even as we come tonight and look at your word, we're asking that you would, would reveal to us what you want us to know. We ask that by the power of your spirit that you speak to us collectively and individually concerning your word tonight because we know that you know us. And so, Father, we ask for your guidance. Father, before we stop praying for a second, we lift up the bereaved. We lift up Jessica and Justice and the Burns family in the loss of a sister. We lift up John Matthews and, and his family in the loss of their sister. We lift up uh, 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 Sister Goosby in the loss of her husband, Paul. We pray for our neighbor, Fred, and his wife as they they struggle through uh, an operation. We, we, we lift up your people, O oh God, as they struggle with their various ailments. We lift up those who are in need of financial blessings. We lift up those who are now dreading the Thanksgiving season because of lack or because of loneliness or because of dysfunctional families who don't want to come together. God, we lift them up to you today. We know that you are well able to, 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 to comfort the bereaved. We know that you are well able to heal the sick. We know that you are well able to bring families back together. We know that you are a provider who is able to put not just a little bit of food, but uh, uh, will allow us to fast sumptuously. Oh, God, we, we appeal to you tonight in our hour of need for those who are not as fortunate. We appeal to you, oh, Father, for the people down in Haiti who are not in the news anymore uh, because of that hurricane and all that disaster, but they're still on your hearts. We appeal to you for the people over in Syria who are being bombarded and persecuted daily. We appeal to you for children all over the world, in Africa and in, 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 in China, Pakistan, India, who are being mistreated. God, we ask that you would intervene. We ask that you would help us in our churches here in America to go even further. Father, we, we seem to be enamored with foreign missions, and we know we need to be in, in, in other countries. But, Father, lest we forget that right next door there's an old person who's struggling and who, probably, who doesn't have enough to eat, lacks companionship. Father, let us not forget them. Help us, O oh God, to just come out of the pews and just stop sitting and, and going to church on Sunday morning and, and shouting all over the place and 
getting fed and then just walking away and waiting until next Sunday or next Wednesday night to go and get on a spiritual high. Remind us that we're called to go on mission with you, both near and far. Remind us that we are servants of the Most High. Take us out of that attitude of always being served. Oh God, we ask you to lead us and guide us, to shower down your spirit upon us, to send forth the spirit that that does not allow us to rest until we have shown forth to our neighbors and, and to our communities and all over the country and all over the world the love of God. Oh, God, thank you for this high and mighty calling. Thank you that that you allow us to partner with you and that you allow us to be your hands and your feet, your spokesperson. We thank you and we bless you. Now use us, O Lord, for your glory. Strengthen us now in this hour of, of, of study. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, and bless the Lord tonight. And before I go any further, let me remind each of you, uh, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that gift that God has given to all of us, if you don't have the gift of salvation, that it is available to you, and all you need to do is ask God to come into your life, ask Jesus to come into your life, and he'll save you. It's as simple as that. I don't even have to go get all, you know, uh, as they say, churchy on you. You just say, God, I want you. Jesus, I want you. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. And I want you. Come into my life. And he'll come in and he'll save you. And then you go get with another Christian or you go get with a church and you ask somebody at that church, look, I just got saved and I, w- I want to know more about it. And they'll help you. And if you're out there listening to me even right now or you look at this uh, broadcast or listen to the broadcast later on, you can always give me a call at 929-477-2304. Bless the Lord. Let's let's dive in. Just one quick announcement. We're going to do some topical things over the next several weeks. Uh, And at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, we'll dive back into 2 Samuel. I had some conversations with my son, uh, who uh, basically runs this whole network, and as we talked, we talked about, you know, the starting and the stopping, the holidays, and so this gives me a chance to, to explore some things with the people of God that normally I don't get a chance to explore. Don't ask me what they are because they haven't been revealed to me yet, but we'll start our second Samuel Bible study after the first of the year, and there's going to be some other things that we do after the first of the year because we're going to we're going to do some healing things. Amen. So with that said, tonight we're going to look at Psalm 139, and we're going to look at it a little differently. I'm going to be a little bit. Um, I'm going. To, I'm, I really want you guys to begin to get used to participating. Uh, I have a tendency to, to, you know, really really prepare for. Uh, our times together on Wednesday night. Tonight is no exception. But what I really want to do is I really want you to take a bath in this word. I really want you to to look at the Psalms because the Psalms are 
man's expression toward God. And man expresses himself in a number of ways. The Psalms capture sometimes our frustration, our thanksgiving, our concerns. I mean, they capture so many of our emotions. And and Psalms should evoke emotion as well as thought. And this one particular psalm, uh, I've been reading it over and over and over again, and, and I've just been having just a wonderful time in it. And each time I read it, it's like, hmm, so, and it leads me into prayer. It leads me into prayer, and it, and it, it also reveals some things about God that I know, but it just brings them into focus. And so without going any further, I'm going to read several versions. I'm going to read several versions of that. I pulled up, you know, I got, I got probably more Bibles than I got dollar bills in my pocket. And so what I did was I pulled up a couple of several translations so we can hear them, so we can study them, and pull out words that will help us really see what this psalmist is saying to us tonight. And more specifically, what God is saying to us and where he's leading us in terms of uh, our thoughts and our prayers. Amen? So I'm going to read the first. I'm going to read it first in the ESV, English Standard Version. And then I think I'll go over to, um, well, I, got, I pulled four versions up. I've got an ESV, I've got a modern language, I've got a Jewish one, and then I got what I call my Jive Bible. And that is, it's just so, it's very, very plain. So let me start with ESV. I didn't pull out the NIV. I know everybody has NIV. I know a lot of people use NIV. Great translations. All of these are great translations. I read multiple translations simply because there's certain nuances that are unearthed as you read different translations, as you see, you know, different translators have um, different goals when they're translating. Some want it to be very, very readable. Some want to smooth it out so you can uh, understand uh, how it sounds with an English ear. Still others are interested, like this ESV, they want to do more of a word-for-word translation from the original Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. So I'm going to start with that, and then we'll paint the picture. And we're going to paint this picture several times, amen? So uh, Psalms 139, turn in your Bibles to that. Excuse me, I got a big glass of ice water tonight because I knew I was going to do a lot of reading and talking. It's Psalm 30, uh, 139, verse 1. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and I clean it with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shehol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed me, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak evil against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. Now, if you just look at that in its entirety, and let's start with this entire the psalm in its entirety. The impression that you get at first is that David is praying and asking God to inspect him, and when we and in the inspection, uh, he begins, and it sounds a little bit like he's trying to get away from God, especially in that. That middle part, where uh, verse 7, where it says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? And sometimes when we read that, we read it as if there is something wrong in this relationship between David and God. Because it's like, okay, you, I want you to, you, you, you've inspected me, you've hemmed me in. I'm trying to get away, and it it just reads, you know, in such a way that, that it gives us the impression that something's wrong. And that's why we have to stop for a second and break the psalm down. And one of the things that you are going to see is that this is David celebrating his relationship with God. And this is also that, that the psalmist basically saying, God, we have an intimate relationship and you have all you you know everything that is to know about me. 
You know where I'm at at all times. There is nothing that I can do to get away from you, even if I wanted to. And our relationship is a relationship that began before the womb. And he's celebrating the fact that he's on God's mind, and God is always thinking about him. And so when we just, if you just read through it and just don't spend the time to really, really meditate and see what's being, what he's saying, you can walk away with the wrong impression. Now, let's go, let's go back in and we'll break it down just as, the, um, just as the writer, the psalmist David, has broken it down. And you'll find out that this is a... This is a, a worship prayer. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. This is David, you know, uh, singing, literally singing about the wonderful relationship that he has with God and how God has accepted him and really cares for him and always has his best interests at heart. And David further declares at the end of the psalm uh, when he talks about how he hates those who hate God and, and that, though, I mean, that hate God and how basically God should just get rid of them because they're not even deserving to live. So we'll break it down stanza by stanza. And again, if you've got questions or you have comments, those of you on Periscope, what I need you to do is just type your question in and I'll take a, we'll take a look at it and we'll talk about it. Those of you who are uh, on a uh, on the uh, global drive, what I'd like you to do is call me at nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four. And even those of you on Periscope who are watching me right now, uh, you too can call in at nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four, and that way I can I can get the audio of it. Amen. So I want to to break it down a little bit. What I want to do is I'm going to pick up. Um, now, that was the ESV version. I'm going to pick up the, um, what is this? This is the modern English version. Now, you've got the ESV is English Standard Version. And the, the difference between a, um, the English Standard Version and the King James Version is it takes out all of these and thous. It smooths the language a little bit. And it is still a more of a word-for-word translation than, say, this English Standard Version is. And then we, we pull the Hebrew Bible up, uh, that's, more, that's even more exacting. That is a Hebrew translation into the English language without all the these and thous. And they, they still leave some of the Hebrew in there, amen? So let's take the, um, the first, what we call a strobe. And, a, and the first strobe is just the first series of thoughts that are... are it's almost like a paragraph. I'll just cheat and say, let's take the first paragraph. If you've got an NIV Bible, you'll see that these are paragraphed off for you. And the way that you can tell it in the NIV is that they have the second line indented. So when you see that second line indentation, that second line goes with the first line. And then the other thing that you'll see is you'll see a double spacing in between each section of the psalm, that means that that's um, that is a strobe or a, 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 a one complete thought, a paragraph almost. 
again, that's that's not the technical. The strobe is the technical name, but we think in terms of paragraph, and so just call it a paragraph. Uh, and it's verses one through four. Now I want there's some there's some parallels in here, and when we deal with parallels, what we're dealing with is a thought that is reinforcing a thought. So listen to this. It says, "O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down." And when I get up, you understand my thought from far off. You search my path and my lying down and are aware of all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it fully. So look at verse 1. You search me. Verse 2, you know uh, to, to be. You understand. Verse 3, you search Verse 4, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it fully. So what he's saying here is that you, you, you have literally investigated me. Now, let me grab my, let me grab the, there was a, one of the things that I saw in the Hebrew. Listen to the Hebrew Bible where it says in verse 1, Adonai, you have probed me. And know me. So what the psalmist is, the picture is, is that literally God has has went into my uh, the life. It's almost as if um, when you go into a room and you begin to search, you're looking up under the bed, you're looking in the closet, you go, going through and rifling through the drawers. Well, if you imagine your life as a room, imagine God going through and just searching it out. And so David is saying, you have probed me, and you know. You know me. You know what, you know what, what I'm all about. It says, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. So basically, you know me in my everyday settings, and you discern my inclinations from afar. Look, look. Here. You search my path and my lying down and are aware of all of my ways. So it says, it's basically when I'm sitting down and sitting around the house, you know me. When I'm on, traveling and going to and from, you know what I'm doing. And so throughout the entire, throughout my entire life, you know everything about me. And yet, he'll come to a point where he says, even though you know everything about me, you're still thinking good toward me. Now, let's get practical for a second. Let's get real practical for a second. What would happen if you pick up your Bible right now, pick up your Bible, and you begin to pray this prayer and says, Eternal God, our Father, you have searched me, and you know me. You know, O oh God, when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from afar off. You search my path and my lying down, God, and you are aware of all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, God, but behold, you know it fully. Now, go back again. Think about that where it says, uh, verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. For I say what I'm getting ready to say. You know what I say before I say it. Now, did you pray that prayer? Did you just pray that? You see, you can pray the Psalms. You can pray Scripture. Because you have that type of relationship with God, and what you are acknowledging is, God, you know everything. You know everything that is to know concerning me. What does that make you do? Well, when I first encountered it, it made me aware of the fact that, you know what? God, you you know the good, the bad, and the ugly about me. And it also made it it got me to a point where I began to confess some things about me that needed to be confessed. Because so oftentimes when we you know, we as Christians, we can get to a point where we think that, you know, uh everything all right, I did that over there or I've been getting into a little bit of this or I've been doing a little bit of that and we know that these things aren't right. But we ignore them. But when we get to a psalm like this, this psalm in its entirety puts us in a place of confession. And when I say it puts us in a place of confession, I'm not, I'm not saying it puts us in a place where we, we sit down and condemn ourselves. No. It puts us in a place where we can look at where we are supposed to be according to the word according to the word of God, as led by the spirit of God, it puts us in that place where we can really come clean before God simply because he already knows. He already knows, and he's already accepted us. And it makes me, me personally, I don't know how how it hits you, but it makes me just love him so much more, but not just love him so much more, but want to do better. It makes me want to walk more upright. It makes me want to be more pleasing in his sight because God knows me. And when you know that there is something inside of you or that there's something coming out of you that is not pleasing to God, you want to get rid of that. So the first thing that we learn in this 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 particular stanza or stroll, brother, is that one, God knows me. God knows me, and He still loves me. Let's go to the second stanza. Second stanza is, it reads, you put yourself behind and before me and keep your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is lofty and I cannot fathom it. So what's he saying here? There's a picture that that pops in the mind of the Hebrews. Remember when they were leaving Egypt, and it was a it was a cloud by day and a fire by night, and the angel of the Lord went before them, and remember that there was a rear guard for them. Remember that 
that they were in the presence of God as God led them. And it was God who took them out of Egypt, who parted the Red Sea, was their protector at all times, their leader, their provider, all during, during that Exodus time period. And we have the same thing. Look at it, it says, you put yourself behind and before me. You go before me, and there's a real God. I am always, you always surround me. Yeah, but when you're in your car and you think you're all alone, yeah, you know, think about this for a second. No, I'm not all alone because God is before me. God is behind me. God is all around me. He surrounds me, and he keeps his hand on me. As a, ch as a child, do you remember when mama, you, you were going through the store or you were going for a walk or wherever, and mama would grab your hand and hold on to your hand? Or sometimes, you know, she'd put her hand on your shoulder or daddy would put his hand on your head and hold your head, you know, because us dads are good at gripping our son's heads. I know when my son and I, you know, when we were, when he was younger, I don't think I ever held, I, I might have held his hand a time or two, but he had this head that you could just grip. And so most of the time I would put my hand on his head and I would guide him by his head. Can you imagine God placing his hand on your head and just, you know, just leading God? It wasn't, I wasn't rough with him or nothing like that. It was just gently guiding him. What a wonderful picture of God's hand upon us holding our hand, touching our head and guiding us by our head, or putting his hand on our shoulder and just literally leading and guiding us through life. That's the picture here that David is painting. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is lofty, and I can't fathom it. I, God, you love me so much as I have, and you and your hand, put your hand on me, and, and, and you're leading me and guiding me and protecting me, and I know this, and I'm just overwhelmed by it. Your love is so deep that I'm just, I'm just literally being, being flooded by your love. I just, I, 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 I can't, mentally, I can't even receive it, but, but physically and spiritually, I'm just overwhelmed by it. That's, that, that's what he's painting here. This is a good time for you to stop and, you know, as again, if we were praying and we could say something like, God, look at you. You've never left me nor forsaken me. You're all around me. When I get up in the morning, you lead me into the bathroom or you lead me into the kitchen. When I'm on my way to work, you, you're leading me and guiding me. There's cars in front of me, but those those, those cars are separated from me because you are there. There's cars and trucks and stuff coming up and behind me, but they can't do anything because you are there. You are all around me. When there's decisions to be made concerning lane changes or which bus to get on or which L to get on or, or how am I going to go, it's you, oh God who are leading me. You lead me in office every day. You go in the room with the boss before I even get in there. And you, oh God, 
place your hand on me and allow favor to, to overwhelm me because you are there. You tell me what to say and what not to say. And I am so thankful for you, O oh God. You see what that you see how that inspires us? If you got questions or you got comments that you want to make, I mean really, uh feel free. Call me nine two nine four seven seven two three oh four. Uh even even on Periscope. That'd be better if you called me that way. Or if you just want to type something on the screen and I can see it. I saw something pop up a second ago and I missed it because I'm, you know, jabba jabba. Anyway, go to go to verse seven. He says, and this is the third this is the third stroke. He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shehol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell at the end of the sea. I gotta turn this page and it's sticking together. Hang on. Even there your hand shall guide me, and your right hand shall take hold of me. And the the idea that he's expressing is that you're ever-present. There is no place that I can go. If I go down to hell, you come into hell with me. You're going to lead me and guide me. There's, there's, there's nothing that, there's no place that I can get to. And see, here he's speaking of places now. Um, there's no place that I can go that I can get away from you, because you're everywhere. Oh God, I've been in the hospital and sat in a bed and thought that you know, where you at, God? Or you ever been in your home and you felt so lonely and? And things weren't going so great, and you were like, God, where you at? I need you. He's there. He's there. Listen to, listen to a, um, a, I promise you, I've read two. Let me read this other one. Um, here. In, in the, um, what is this? This is a, it's God's word. This is more of a contemporary version. It says this. It says, where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I run to get away from you? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I climb up on the rays of the morning sun or land on the most distant shore of the sea where the sun sets, even there your hand would guide me and your right hand would hold on to me. So no matter what I do, your hand, you, your hand, your spirit, you're always there with me. We need to celebrate that. The ever-present God. Then he says, he goes further, he says, in verse 11, If I say, let the darkness hide me, and let the light around me turn into night, even the darkness is not too dark for you. Night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. There is no condition. There is no condition that can be set on the earth 
can't see through, that God is not into. What's, why is that important? Some of you, uh, most of us have some loved ones who are in jail. And I've never, well, I take that back. I have been to jail once. But it was one of them traffic violation things where I was driving with no license, and so they took me to the lockup. You know, just one of those little, when they used to have the little precincts, this was years ago, and they put me in behind bars, you know, and locked me up back there till my mama came and got me. That's the closest I've been to, or, or when I sang, you know, in the choir and went out to Cook County Jail a couple of times. Um, I have very little experience in there, but the, the little time that I was in those facilities, and it just let me know, uh-uh. This is terrible. And can you imagine these young boys and these young ladies being locked off in these little rooms? And there's darkness there. And and nobody, you know, day after day after day, nobody coming to see about them. If they've gotten in any kind of really bad trouble within the jail itself, they they don't they only get maybe an hour or so out in the sunlight to exercise and then all of their human communications are cut off and their food is delivered to them through a little bitty vent and they just kind of just shove the food on a tray and there's no interaction. Can you imagine the pain that they're in in those situations and the thoughts Everybody has forgotten about me. But can you imagine the comfort uh, that they could receive knowing that even in those places, God is there? Hmm? Can you, if you've got a loved one in that situation, you can be comforted knowing that you know, I might not be able to get to him, or I might not be able to get her, but God is there. Or in your own situation where you feel so isolated and, and you feel like you've been ostracized and, and you feel like you've been just set in such a way that, that nobody can get to you or nobody cares about you, nothing can be farther from the truth, especially if you're a child of God. It says, what? can separate us from the love of God. And then then Paul goes on to talk about height nor depth nor anything is able to separate us from the love of God, which comes to us through Christ Jesus. And the thing that I want to remind you of tonight is that, that no matter what, This is one of those psalms where you can celebrate. And if you are in that position, you should start celebrating the presence of God right now. And what you're going to learn is as you celebrate and worship God's presence, God does something as he begins to fill that room with his, his presence because he's going to acknowledge, girl, I've been there with you all the time. About time you spoke to me. Or, boy, about time you said something to me, I've been waiting for you to say something to me. I've been trying to let you know I'm here. And this psalm reminds us that God is ever-present. Oh, that's just, that's a, that, to me, that's rich. 
you know, personally because of, you know, my lifestyle at this particular time where I am, you know, in study and, and I'm, you know, when I'm working around the house, I'm usually working by myself. I spend hour after hour um, away from other human beings because I'm never alone. If you ever walk up on me and you think I'm alone, uh, get close enough and you'll hear me talking. And that's me and God talking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because I'm, I'm aware of his presence and I'm thankful for his presence. And some people say, well, Pastor, how do you spend so much time by yourself? I love God so much that sometimes I don't want y'all around. I like thinking that I'm his only child. And when y'all come around and want to talk, I'm like, oh, I got to share God with y'all. But see, God is not selfish. He's a great parent, and he's not selfish. So he's not just, you know, I think I got him all to myself, but y'all can have some of him. Just don't be beating my time. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm being silly. Anyway, he's always there. Now, look at this. Again, this is the, we go back to how intimate he is with us. He says, he, now he's going to acknowledge God as his creator, and he's going to acknowledge that it's God and God alone who is responsible for his being from the very beginning. Look at verse uh, 13. Uh, I'm going to go back to, um, go back to the, um, what is this again? This modern English version. Verse 13. You brought my inner parts into being. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for you made me with fear and wonder. Marvelous are your works, and you know me completely. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and intricately put together in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw me unformed, yet in your book all my days were written before any of them came into being. Now, I know that, that somebody's saying, wait a minute, hold on. There's, a, there's some wording there that I don't like because there's some word. I like to read it a certain way. I know what you want. You want this. You want the part where it says, For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Versus the way they do it in this version where it says, um, it says, I praise you for you made me with fear and wonder. Marvelous are your works and you know me completely. That's what you want to get to. And so what we have is a picture of God being involved even before birth. Because if you look at, at, at verse um, 16, the B portion, it says, all my days were written before any of them came into being. So what he's saying is that, God, you planned my life out for me even before I was born. Do you know the life that you're living right now has been predetermined? You know, your salvation, now this, this is, this gets, I'm going to walk us into a little controversy because you have a, a, a what's known as a, a Calvinist theory 
where Calvinists say that uh, we really didn't have a choice in our salvation because we were predestined for salvation. And then there is the Arminian theory uh, that basically says, no, uh, you chose the salvation. Um, and it's a, it's a big, ugly argument. It was not an ugly argument, but it's a big argument that, you know, that, that theologians engage in. And basically, I, I fall in with, uh, you know what? I'm glad God revealed himself to me. I'm glad he gave me enough sense to, to, to choose him. I'm glad he gave me enough faith that he allowed me to accept Jesus into my life, and I'm glad that he continues to work with me even though I'm the king of the knuckleheads, and he gets me to a point where he show, he loves me so much. That I see that. I, I just said what you just said. It says you were born into it, but it was your choice to accept. And, and you know, that's that's what's known as the that's that's a, like an Arminian theory that you just that you just talked about. Now again, I know the one thing that I know is that God was involved in every stage of me coming to Him. Now that you know, because I, I you know I, I listen to all of it, and you know I can they use the scripture and they argue. You know, the Calvinists argue one way and the Arminians argue another way, both of them using scripture. And both of them have great points that they make. But that, that doesn't concern me. What concerns me is it is the work of God. It is the love of God that draws us it's of his divine purpose. Amen, I agree with that. It is the love of God that draws us toward him, and he reveals himself in such an overwhelming way that if we got any kind of sense, we're going to say, that's right. And so it's, it's such a complex spiritual thing that I don't think we can put it in a, a neat little package because there were those who saw, there were those who saw the same thing that the disciples saw when Jesus came, who went in another direction, and so from that you can argue choice, but then and, but you can also argue that hey that was God's design, but there are passages that also say that it is um, how does I put it. The passages that also tell us that we should go preach the gospel and those who believe will be saved and those who don't will be condemned. So there there are tons of arguments that you can make either way. Me, I don't get involved in that. I preach the gospel and I go back to that 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 um that that parable that Jesus taught where he talked about the conditions of the heart when the seed was thrown on it, you know, the hard ground, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and the heart that was ready to receive him. And that's, you know, there's, again, I don't, I, I hate getting into those types of discussions about salvation because I think what it does is it detracts from us doing what he told us to do. And he never told us to argue theology. What he told us to do is preach the gospel. 
And I think that sometimes when we get into these theological debates, what it does is it, it takes us away from doing the work of the Lord. Because as they say, so what we what we need to do is we need to preach that gospel and whosoever will, let him come. Amen? So now, again, it uh, where was I at? I was at... Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here we talk about, here he's talking about what God thinks about him. Now remember, David's a human. Remember, I don't know what stage of his life he wrote this. But, you know, David got some a lot of good stuff, but he also got a lot of bad stuff that he's done. And he's acknowledging, even after all of this searching, even after all of that God knows, that God's thoughts towards him are precious, that God's thoughts toward him are loving, God's thoughts toward him are filled with kindness and grace and mercy. Do you know that it's the same way with you? That God's not thinking evil things about you in spite of who you are and in spite of what you've done. No. Even if you're not saved, God's not thinking evil thoughts about you. God is trying to woo you into his presence. He's trying to reveal himself. He's revealing his love toward you always drawing you and drawing you and drawing you. If this was back in the 70s, God always trying to rap to you. He's trying to say, hey, baby, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Yeah, I know you ain't feeling all good because, you know, you, you, you missed your Saturday hairdo and you didn't get your nails done, but I still love you. Come on, let's talk. Come on, go with me. That's, that's the way God thinks about us. He doesn't think about, you know, dragging us off someplace and throwing us into hell. He's thinking about, look, I'll have measured you for a dress. Look, I've measured you for a new suit. I've measured you for a crown. I got all this everlasting goodness for you, and I'm trying to get you in a position where you can take it. Because that's what I have for you. Even as you go out, and, and those of us who are saved, even when we go out and we're going through, God is thinking about us all the time. And he has thoughts of good and not evil. His plans are good and not evil. His purpose for us is good and not evil. How precious are his thoughts towards us. Now, look, i got to hurry up because I'm, I'm burn up my time. Then, after he goes through all of that, he says, If only you would slay the wicked, O God. O violent men, depart from me, for they speak against you with malice, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those, O Lord, who hate you, and do I not abhor those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. And so what he's reacting to is, after all God does for man, after all he, he lavishes his love on us and all he's ordered up for us and all, all he thinks about us, there are people that hate God. And David says, I hate them, too. I hate them back. 
because he wants people to respond in love just like he's responding. And our response to God should always be loved. I love to get into that. I'm a minute and 39 seconds. But then he goes back and he says, you know what, I'm loving this so much, God, and I'm loving the way you're loving me so much that I don't want to mess up. So he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my concerns. And see if there's any rebellious way in me and lead me in the ancient way. And so what he's saying is, God, I need you to, he starts out saying, you've searched me. And now he's saying, search me again. Because I don't want anything to mess up this relationship that we have. I don't want anything to be inside of me that causes me to go against you that would cause me to go away from you. No. I want your hand to stay continuously upon me, leading me in the in the path of righteousness. I want to continue to walk with you. I love the relationship that you and I have together. As I finish this psalm off tonight, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you love your relationship with God? Are you aware of how much he loves you and how he knows you. Are you doing the things necessary to, to make sure that the relationship grows stronger and stronger? Or have you made our the victim of unrequited love? You know what unrequited love is, don't you? That's when you love, uh, how do they say, you love somebody and they don't love you back. Oh, wow. If that is the position that you're in, then you ought to get to loving God. You ought to get to telling him about how much you love him. And you ought to show him love by your commitment to please him with your life. And I know sometimes we, we try to do stuff and we don't have the ability we lack the ability to, to, um, to do it. But just by you wanting to do and you trying to do, watch what God does. Because when your heart toward him is a heart of love, he'll fill you and empower you with his spirit and enable you to accomplish for him that which you want to give to him. You want to give him more obedience? Tell him, God, I want, to, I want to be instant in my obedience toward you. And I'm trying, but I ain't getting it. I need your help. And he'll help you by the power of his spirit. Or, God, I, I, I've been struggling with this thing right here, and I haven't been able to overcome it. And when I look at things that I struggle with, you know, it's like walking up a mountain. And I'm trying to get up that mountain so I can get to the top. And I just don't have the strength. And all of a sudden, there's hand appears because he sees me in the struggle. And his hand, and he just lifts me up. And he helps me to overcome. That's the God we serve. Go back and read through the Psalms. Pray through the Psalm. This Psalm 139. Enjoy yourself in it. I'm, I'm telling you, you can read it over and over and over again. And never, ever, ever get it all out of there because it causes you to, to, to be introspective, meaning you, you look to see what God is seeing. 
It causes you to be extroverted in your worship because all of a sudden you begin to praise him for his love. I mean, the full gambit of human emotion comes out in this one psalm because you know that it's been God all along who is doing for you what no one else can do. In the darkness, he don't leave you. In, in, in any situation, he's always there, and his hand is always guiding us because his hand is always upon us. Well, I could go on and on, but I won't because it's, my time is up. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm over time. Bless God for you tonight and all that you mean to God and all that you mean to me by sharing with me on Wednesday nights on the Word on Wednesday. Again, for those of you who got here a little late, we're going to be doing some topical studies over the next, uh, through the through the end of the year. On Wednesday nights, we'll be doing topical studies. I'll pull up a topic, um, and I just won't dwell always in the Psalms. I love the Psalms, but there's some things that we need to discuss uh, in terms of lifestyles and, you know, how we ought to walk, and there's just so much. And so for the rest of the year, uh, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to, um, the first of the year, uh, we'll be, we'll have, our, our Bible study, we want it to be more interactive. I would like to spend no more than uh, 20 minutes talking of the hour and let you guys do the rest of it uh, because we need to hear more from you. We really do. Uh, there are questions that you have. There um, the comments that you have that you need to make. I saw a couple of comments out here that were really welcome tonight. Um, and as we go more interactive, you'll find out that you, you'll want to get on the phone so you can really get that out and not just one line of thing uh, because you are so, you've got so much in you. God has placed it in you, and you need to share what God has placed in you because you are the uh, treasure to the body of Christ. And, again, let me go to my food example. We got so many different types of food in our feast. I'm a hamburger. Now, we can't always eat hamburger. We need some turkey. We're going to need some, some tamales. We're going to need some cake. You guys are all of that and then some. And so we need you to contribute to the banquet. This is going to be a biblical smorgasbord. You got to come with some some devil eggs. Ooh, let me stop. I I started. It's too late for me to be eating heavy. Let me get, let me bless y'all so y'all can go ahead on and I can go in this kitchen because my wife is up around Boston right now and hopefully she's not watching this because I'm going in the kitchen and I'm gonna hurt her refrigerator in a few minutes and I'm gonna try to stay up for an hour. Here, here you ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And that's for you, and that's for your family, for your neighbors, and everyone you come into contact with. May the blessing of the Lord be upon you. Bless you. See you next Wednesday. <laughs>